to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 68 and part of our multifamily brief series. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about how various investment opportunities are structured, which should be helpful for both the passive investor and aspiring syndicators alike. But before we get to the meat and potatoes of today's episode, just want to remind you that we have our monthly webinar series, which will be on Monday, December 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which if I'm doing my math right, that's 4 p.m. Pacific time. In order to get information about it, you go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com, look for upcoming events, tap and RSVP to get the Zoom link. In this month's webinar, my partner Eric Shirley is going to go over how we close on an 82-unit deal in Clemson, South Carolina from soup to nuts, beginning to end, and answer any questions you may have. And it'll be followed by an amazing networking event. So go to the website, register for the event, and I'll see you online on Monday. Now, about deal structure. In essence, when you think about deal structure, you're normally referring to how much each person, each member of the deal gets paid and in what order. You know, typically you're going to split this up into two groups, the general partners and the limited partners. You know, for a quick reminder of, of who these are, check out episode eight. You know, for your convenience, I'll re-release this episode. So it should be at the top of the stack on most podcast apps just underneath this one. All right. But in general, a general partnership, those are the deal sponsors, the people who work to put together an apartment investment opportunity. And the limited partners are the passive investors. Like I said, if you need more information than that on the GPs and LPs, check out episode number eight. Now, it's also helpful to review the capital stack, which I will briefly do here as well. Um, But a more thorough treatment is done in episode 27 with our capital advisor, Scott Williams from Align Capital. Uh, Once again, I brought that episode back up to the top of the stack for your convenience. So once you're done listening to this, if you want your review on capital stack, scroll down one or two episodes, tap, listen, and enjoy. So now when we talk about the capital stack, you know, we're talking about different categories of money. You know, these categories of money are treated differently and have different risk profiles and different returns associated with them. You know, generally the lowest risk position is at the bottom of the capital stack and the highest risk position is at the top of the capital stack. Think low risk, lower rung. You know, when a property is sold, for example, the lowest position on the capital stack gets paid its capital back and any returns owed first and then on to the next lowest and so forth. Now, let's look at a simplified version of a capital stack. You know, a single family home with oversimplified math. You know, let's say you purchase a house for $100,000. You get a loan for $80,000 and you put $20,000 down. That's 80% loan to value, 20% in equity. The capital stack would therefore be the $80,000 loan at the bottom of the stack and your $20,000 in equity at the top. You know, it's relatively simple. You know, let's say you sell a house and you net $90,000 after expenses. Since the loan's at the bottom of the capital stack, it gets paid off first. The remaining $10,000 goes to the equity holder, which is you. If you sell for $110,000, the loan also gets its $80,000 back, or the lender also gets its $80,000 back. And the only thing that changes is now you put $30,000 in your pocket. Now, we add a layer of complexity. You know, same single-family home example. Let's let's say this time you get a loan from a bank for $70,000, and you get a second mortgage for $20,000, and you bring $10,000 of your own money to the table. Now, this loan structure was a lot popular, you know, 15, 20 years ago uh, before the, the, the last banking crash um, to help people get into to homes with a little more affordable terms. 
Uh, not so popular now because mortgage rates are still at a pretty, pretty good clip and almost an all-time low. In this case, you know, let's let's say the market turns south on you and you sell the house for $85,000. Okay, so $70,000 $70, loan, $20,000 second mortgage. The first $70,000 of your, your sale proceeds go to pay off the first mortgage. And the second mortgage holder gets the remaining $15,000. And the equity holder, which is you in this case, you get nothing. So you lose your investment. Now, since the capital is at the bottom of the stack, it's the most secure. It typically costs the least, meaning you get a competitive rate. The second mortgage is junior debt. So you're likely having a higher interest rate to compensate for their higher likelihood of loss. Now, let's move up to commercial real estate. You know, bottom of the capital stack is still the senior debt. It is the most secure and therefore earns the lowest risk returns. In case of default, the senior debt gets paid off before the other tiers in the stack. You know, the next stack or, or the next tier in, in the capital stack is typically mezzanine debt. Now, you're typically not going to see this in properties under $20 million, and I'm not really going to refer to it in the rest of this episode. So I'll refer you to episode 27 to learn more. Now, the next tier in the stack is preferred equity. Preferred equity typically gives its holders some rights to the property and ownership. It is more secure than common equity, typically comes with a fixed return, and maybe some potential for upside. Now, I reviewed an offer for a friend earlier today. It was a fund that would invest a million dollars into a 30 plus million dollar development. It didn't say that it was preferred equity, but because of the terms, I suspect it was. Like mezzanine debt, this is more common on the larger, more expensive properties. Now, finally, we get to common equity, which in most cases, the GP shares are common equity shares. Generally, when a sponsor is talking about GP and LP splits, they're talking about common equity shares. Now that we've reviewed the stack, let's review some of the structure. And really, we're going to talk about who gets paid and in what order. Now, just like the capital stack, the payouts for common equity follow the same principle. The investor that carries less risk will typically get a slightly lower return. And if an investor shoulders a higher percentage of the risk, the returns or splits will be correspondingly higher. So let's first look at the most simple, straightforward way to distribute money in, in different cases. So it's just a straight equity split. So this may be an 80% of the profits go to the LP and 20% of the profits go to GP. There's nothing more simple than that. It's just $1 rolls off, 80 cents to the investors, 20% to the GP. So let's look at a hypothetical example. And just just for continuity's sake, we're going to keep this example the same throughout. So example one, we're just going to look at a straight 80-20 split. Let's assume there's a a million dollars in equity in an investment, and there's $200,000 in profits to distribute at the sale. Now, for all these examples, we're assuming that all of the equity uh, has been paid back or all, all the capital invested has already been returned to the investors. So take that out of play. After that's done, there's $200,000 in profits to distribute at sale. Now, since the investor share is 80%, 80% of $200,000 is $160,000. So the investors are going to split up the 100 the passive investors or the LPs will split up $160,000 based on the amount of money they put into the deal. And the GPs they're going to split up the $40,000 which is the remainder or 20% of 200,000. Very straightforward, just a flat percentage. Investors walk away and when I say investors LPs walk away with 80%, GPs walk away with 40%. Now let's get a little bit more complicated, let's introduce what's called a preferred return. Now, preferred return is paid to the investor before the general partners receive any returns. And once the preferred return has been paid, there's typically a percentage at which the remaining profits are going to be distributed between the general partners and limited partners. 
the preferred return is a little more advantageous to passive investors. However, typically when a preferred return is in play, the sponsors are going to get more of an upside potential than the investors do. So example two, here's how it plays out. Let's assume there's a 6% preferred return on an investment. Okay, same as last time, there's going to be a million dollars in capital invested or a million dollars in equity invested into the property. There's going to be $200,000 in profits to distribute. And in this case, we're going to say after the preferred return is paid out, the remaining funds are split 70% to the LPs, 30% to the GPs. In this case, the investors are going to get their preferred return paid out. 100% of the first $60,000 or 6% goes straight into the investor's pockets. So $60,000 done, there's $140,000 remaining to be distributed. And that's going to be distributed at the split of 70-30, as we mentioned before. So the way the math is going to be out, and I'm going to put this in the show notes so you can review it. If you have a hard time following the numbers, you know, $200,000, the first $60,000 is the preferred return, goes straight into the LP's pockets. The remaining $140,000 gets split 70% towards the limited partners or the investors and 30% towards the GPs. So the GPs end up walking away with about $42,000 and the LPs or passive investors collectively walk away with $158,000. Now, another way to structure is what's called a sponsor catch-up. You know, in this case, there's a preferred return set for the LPs or passive investors, like in the previous scenario. And in this case, 100% of all the profits are paid to the LP until that preferred return is met. Then the pendulum is going to swing all the way to the other end of the spectrum. And the GPs are going to get 100% of the profits up until they reach a certain mark. After that, typically there's a percentage split between the GP and the LP above the GP catch-up. The preferred returns with this structure are typically higher than the previous example giving the passive investor a higher return with a slightly lower risk. However, the potential upside is more heavily weighted towards the GP. So example three with the sponsor catch-up, same million dollars in in equity, same $200,000 in profits. In this case, let's assume a 10% preferred return with a catch-up that pays the GPs up to $50,000. After that, we're going to say there's a 60-40 LP-GP split. So the first $100,000, which is the 10% preferred return, is paid out to the passive investors. The next $50,000 is paid out to the GPs as their catch-up. And the final $50,000 is distributed with a 60-40 split. That is $30,000 going to the limited partners and $20,000 going to the general partners. In this scenario, the LPs get $130,000 to split between them and the GPs get $70,000. And what you'll notice is the returns up front are weighted more heavily towards the LP. And on the backside, they're weighted more heavily towards the GP. So if in this case, the the, the property only spit out $100,000 in profits, 100% of those profits would go to the LPs, the GPs wouldn't get paid. If on the other hand, this property put out $500,000 in profits, the GPs would make a, a much larger percentage of the overall profits. Now, the last thing we'll discuss is the waterfall structure. Now, with the waterfall, there are several tiers or hurdles built in. You know, in a nutshell, the distribution percentages will change as the profits increase. Typically, the returns are more heavily weighted toward the investor up front and more heavily weighted towards the sponsors or the GPs as the profits go up. Now, sometimes the waterfall structure can start with a preferred return, but they don't have to. In the case of preferred return, the preferred return is just the first tier in the waterfall structure. 
Once the preferred return is paid out, the distribution percentage changes from 100 and zero to something more reasonable for the GP sponsor. But in waterfalls, the preferred return is not the only hurdle. There can be multiple tiers or multiple points at which the percentage paid out to GPs and LPs changes slightly. So best way to explain is an example. Example four, same $1 million in equity, same $200,000 in profit. So let's say tier one is a 5% preferred return. Tier two gives the LPs 80% of the profits and the GPs 20% of the profits up until the investors get paid 10% return on their money, or that's a 10% hurdle, meaning the investors are going to receive a 10% return. Now, the third tier, there will be a 70-30 split between the LPs and GPs up to a 15% hurdle. And tier four will be a 50-50 split after that. So every dollar made in profit over a 15% investor return is given 50% to the sponsors, 50% to the investors. You can see if there's a lot more upside, the, the sponsors are going to take away a higher percentage. But if there's not quite as much upside, the, the early returns are weighted more heavily towards the investors. So it, it's, it's slightly safer for the investors in this case. So let's look at this case again. You know, tier one's a 5% preferred return. If we're dividing up $200,000 according to this structure, the first $50,000 is paid out to the limited partners. It's the preferred return. Tier two, the limited partners are going to get another $50,000, taking them up to a 10% return. And the GP is going to get $12,500. Now, the next tier is going to take the G, the, excuse me, take the LPs up to 15% because that, that's the, the tier three hurdle is 15%. And in this tier, the profits are distributed 70 30. So the LPs will get $50,000 and the GPs in this case are going to get 21,400 and change. And tier five, excuse me, tier four, my numbers are a little off. Tier four, you get about $8,035 going to the LP and about $8,035 going to the GP. And once again, for every dollar earned above that tier three mark, once you get into tier four, half of it's going to the GP, half of it's going to the LP. So there is significant upside for the GP to do extremely well. And in this case, the total paid out 158,000 goes to the LP and 42,000 goes to the GP. But once again, the investment, the, the profits are weighted a little more heavily towards the investor up front on this deal and a little more heavily towards the sponsors on the back end of this deal. So those are the various ways to structure deals. And basically every deal is a little bit different. You know, you look at if, if you're a GP or if you're a syndicator looking at how to structure a deal, you need to take into account you know, what your typical investor is looking for in returns. Now, how you can structure the deal, there's many different ways to structure. There's combinations of ways to structure the deal. Do what's right for you and do what's right for your investors. And it'll all turn out well. But something else that uh, is, is kind of important is whatever structure you pick, you're going to have to explain to your investors. So, you know, my suggestion, maybe on the first or second time, you know, follow the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid, because eventually you're going to have to explain it. And if it's a super complicated structure, you're going to have a hard time getting your investors to understand that. That's it for today's episode. Stay tuned. Friday, we have another Ask the Expert episode with experienced investor Aaron Hudson and aspiring investor Liliana Delgado. It's going to be an amazing episode. 
And because we mentioned Maurice Philogene in the episode we recorded with Aaron Hudson, and incidentally, Maurice is Aaron's partner. Because we mentioned him in that episode, I'm going to bring that episode back up to the top of the stack tomorrow, which is Thursday, and call it our Throwback Thursday episode of the week. That said, have a nice day, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.